Welcome back to A Place Called Porch. Today, I journeyed down memory lane with one of my very first bosses, Brent Pinkston. As the COO of Wind Creek Hospitality, he's a dynamic member of a team who's turned one flagship property in Lower Alabama into an international brand. Welcome back to A Place Called Porch. We are so excited to have Brent Pinkston here with us, who is the Chief Operating Officer at Wind Creek Hospitality. Brent, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Megan. It's nice to see you. Nice thank you for having you me. Too. Yes. <laughs> um, so, interesting little tidbit about mine and Brent's relationship. Brent was not my first boss, but one of my first bosses. I started my work history at um, really at Wind Creek Hospitality, which it was PCI Gaming Authority at the time. And I remember um, we were building Wind Creek Atmore at the time, and I was following you around inside that building with high heels on and, you know, just taking notes like a crazy person. But, you know, those are some of some of my most precious memories. I think, like, it really allowed me an opportunity to get an inside glimpse into what a day in the life was like for you at that time. <laughs> Crazy life. <laughs> Crazy life. And um, but also just to hone that knack for attention to detail. Because what we were doing at that time was going through Wind Creek Atmore as it was being built and doing a um, a checklist of hey, the painters need to come back here and that fixture isn't in the right place or that looks a little cockeyed or you know. And so it was just all of those um those checklist kind of things. So I, um, I've always been so appreciative to you for kind of taking me under your wing and trusting me because I, I, I had come from like a medical background, really. You know, you gave me the blimp project. <laughs> Almost forgot about that, too. Oh, my gosh. It <laughs> you comes, were running around with that thing, weren't oh, you? Oh, yeah, sure was. <laughs> um, but, you know, those those are really good memories and um, whenever I think of like you and Catherine and Jay, um, I think one of the first things that come to my mind is mentorship because that's what you guys all offered me. You gave me like an opportunity to spread my wings. You trusted me even though you didn't have a real reason to. <laughs> um, and that has served me well later on in life and in my career today because there's a lot of times I've learned you don't go into every project and honestly you seldom go into a project having all the answers or having a previous experience, but you've just got good instincts and, and good guidelines that kind of help you navigate through kind of anything. Well, yeah, back, I guess in 2009, it was a crazy time when we were, we're putting that all together and attention and details are always important. Um, when we're working to, with designers today, I, they generally don't like to work with me because I'm notorious for going into a model room and, and destroying it and showing them why this room won't hold up. So I, uh, I take the attention to detail pretty seriously uh, in my day-to-day work. And in mentoring, I, you know, I, I like to mentor numerous people just because I've always had mentors along the way, and it's helped me you know, make decisions or get their input and kind of navigate me through not just my professional life, but my personal life. So I'm always looking for somebody who has the ability to go to the next level and, 
and giving back what people have given to me is always very important. So you know, I'm, I'm uh, happy to see you grow and, and it's, uh, you know, now, now that you're a married woman, it's, uh, it's, it's very exciting to see you have, uh, you know, grow not just professionally, but personally. Um, so let's talk about a little bit of where you came from. So now you were born in Chicago. Yeah, I was born in, born in Illinois, lived numerous places throughout the Chicagoland area. So I was there till I was about 20, 23 years old. Now, one of the stories that you shared with me, and um, I've always thought it was interesting, is for, I think it was your fifth birthday, your dad didn't get you a bicycle. What happened? Actually, he, he told me I needed to learn about the stock market, and uh, he took me down to to uh, the brokerage office, and, and he told me, all right, you're not getting what you want, but you're going to learn you know, how to invest your money and save your money and, and, and take care of your family. And we sat down and he gave me a list of stocks. And at the time, you know, he, he gave me a list and I, I picked Commonwealth Edison, which is like the utility in, uh, in Chicago. And I was like, lights always have to be on. So, um, that was my, my first, you know, um, I guess, education into the stock market. And then I learned how to read them and, and understand what was going on. So that was, that was a fun experience. And, and I actually, those first shares, I forgot about them. And I received a letter probably in my mid twenties saying that I still had these shares of Commonwealth Edison and I needed to do something with them or they were going to expire them. So (laughs) I still had those shares until they expired them on me. So, um, yeah, my, my, I think my dad put me through a lot of different things in life that probably most kids don't go through, and and that's probably one. (laughs) Yeah, I think I didn't go to the bank with my parents until I was like 15 or 16 years old, (laughs) had my first job. Um, But I've always thought that was such a cool story. And in a lot of ways, Brent, I think that that has kind of set you on a certain path where you have a niche for business. Um, because you didn't start off in the gaming industry, you kind of found your way into it, and so I know that you've um, you've got a really varied work history. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that you've been an adjunct professor. Mm-hmm. Um, you helped with a scooter company. Mm-hmm. Um, you've worked in Vegas, mm-hmm. Mississippi Band of Choctaws. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how, what led you here to Port. So you want me to go backwards? Go, like, go backwards and come forward. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess another learning experience uh, growing up was my more my father. He was he was really hard on us. So he he never believed that you should be given anything. So at ten years old, he he made me go to work, and you know that job was not easy at all. So I'd have to wake up at four a.m. And then I'd have to take a bus for an hour and a half to go out to these cornfields and we'd have to detassel corn. And I don't know if you know what that is, but but uh, it is, you know, basically if you're four foot and a half at, you know, young age and you have to jump at a six foot, you know, tassel at the top of a corn, you have to take it out. 
Dude, yeah. I'd still be doing that because I'm only five foot tall. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, huh? <laughs> Maybe still difficult for me. But, you know, it, it was hard. It was hot. And, I mean, you'd have to wear bandanas over your face because the corn would cut your face. And I was I had a- bad allergies, so I'd have to, you know, take, you know, all kinds of allergy medicine. But, you know, he, he made me go through different jobs and learn that every job is a learning experience. And, you know taught the the work ethic that you need to have when you know no matter what you do so you know you learned I learned a lot about jobs I didn't want to do and you know made me focus on you know my education and in working hard so you know I I really started my professional career at like 19 Um, I was lucky and I met a I decided to take a job at the Gap which I don't even know if Gap is still in in around, but I, I took a job at the Gap in downtown Chicago for a sole purpose of meeting people and networking. And I met a, a senior vice president of of the bank, which the building that way I was in, which is now JP Morgan. And we, he and I would talk about business and economics. And, and he came to me one day with a little green card, no electronic applications. He said, take this across the street up to this eighth floor and give them this and tell them I sent you. And two weeks later, I was working upstairs um, in uh, their private banking and wealth department, like served a lot of big Chicago families like the Walgreens family and the Sears family and doing their trusts and their estates. And, you know, it was it was fun. But I kind of learned afterwards that he wanted me to still work at the Gap because I would work there one day a week and I'd have to get everybody's order and go downstairs and buy a bunch of clothes on my employee discount. So I wasn't sure <laughs> if I really got the job because uh, he thought I was smart and, and going to school or if he wanted the discount. But um, In which case he was being smart. Too. <laughs> hey, if it, it worked out at the end. But, you know, from there I was in banking and and moved on to different businesses and and eventually ended up in the gaming industry and you know, business is, is similar in a ways, but it has its uniquenesses in each businesses. So I was always a proponent of moving, you know, every few years back then to understand how people do things differently, because not everybody does the, you know, runs the business the same way. Not every boss you have is the same way. So you learn not just about how you should handle, you know, work, you should handle how you should handle people and how you should in, interact with people. So you know, getting, you know, when I came to Porch, I, I had uh, known Jay from Mississippi Choctaws and, you know, we kept in touch and, you know, actually I met him and Tim Martin in Vegas when I was working there and we came to talk and, you know, eventually they called and said, hey, we'd like you to come out. And, you know, at the time I was you know, in the process of, of talking about moving to Macau um, for the Las Vegas Sands. And, you know, they brought me here and, and I guess the the beaches, you know, won out over uh, business opportunity. And, and I've been here since. And it's uh, it's been, you know, the tribe has been like a family to me. And the area has been a great place to raise my kids. So, how long have you been here at Porch now, Brent? It will be 15 years in about two weeks. That's so, amazing. Yeah, about a third of my life I've been here. That's, so. that's amazing. <laughs> so with all of this varied 
business experience that you've had in your background and, you know, growing up from a child to um, working at J.P. Morgan and Gap and then Vegas and so on and so forth. What have you found that is different about Porch than the other places that you've worked? I think it's pretty easy. I think it's a f- it's more like a family business, um, but a big family. A lot of people know I like to, to go play bingo at the sales center. So, you know, I, I like that family environment. And that family environment is funny because I always take it if if they're not giving you a hard time, then they probably don't like you. So, <laughs> so I get, I, I get a lot of grief. So I think, I mean, to me that translate, I hope that uh, they like me, but I think it's the family, the family dynamic and, and everything is, you know, in family, you take care of each other. And, and that doesn't just mean the tribe, but how the tribe takes care of its employees. And, and, you know, that's, even through COVID, I think that that showed the humbleness and the giving nature. Um, I remember, you know, there would be videos like 10, 15 years ago, and the tribe was always saying they wanted to give back and give back. And now that the tribe has that ability, you see it in action. You know, even with some of the things they've done for the employees over the last couple of years are just incredible. And it gives a sense of pride knowing, you know, when you hear people say good things about the tribe that that you're you're associated with the tribe. So it's been, you know, it that family dynamic I think is just you can't replicate if you're a corporation or another type of business. And and I think that's that's really to me, you know, what I love most about uh, working for the tribe. So a lot of family businesses have sadly gone under during the time of COVID and a lot of family businesses just, they last for the length of the family. Mm -hmm. How do you think porch has set itself up for longevity? Well, I even think it started, you know, back in 2009 when there was the first loan and everyone was very nervous and, you know, rightfully so it was, it was a, a large sum of money and, and, but, you know, it you had to do it to, to get where you are today. And it was several hundred million dollars. Yes. Yes. It wasn't just like, oh, it's a $1 million loan. It was, you know, a couple hundred million dollars almost. And that I think the tribe has been very savvy in seeing the mistakes that other tribes have made and taking on, you know, putting themselves too extended. And the approach has been steady and and not i wouldn't say conservative but it's it's smart business sense so it you know you've seen many tribes take too much you know from loans and 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 fall into all kinds of troubles and i i think it's it's remarkable how the tribe has learned from those mistakes of other tribes and kind of implemented it into their business because if you don't learn from other people's mistakes, then, you know, you're probably going to end up making the same mistakes. That's true. And I mean, I think that's the important thing about history, right? You know, you you look at it, you see what happened in the past. How do we make sure that we don't fall into that same pitfall mm-hmm. in the in the future? Because there have been, a, you know, there have been a lot of pioneers in Indian gaming and, in some sense, I'm glad that we weren't one of those very, very first ones 
and we have kind of just grown slow and steady. I mean, you know, in the mid nineteen, mid late teen nineteen eighties, um, you know, we were still in a bingo hall, and even uh, up to two thousand seven, two thousand eight, we still had a bingo hall. <clears throat> True. True. Um, yeah, I, rem- <laughs> I remember. You know, we would have um, who's got talent. Right? Do you remember that? Do you remember that? (laughs) And my my great grandparents always had like their little table, their seat. Their VIPs. (laughs) (laughs) Their VIPs at the old place and at at the sound. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, uh, there's just been, I I think it's so fun. and, And I think we don't do it often enough to kind of think back. You know, as I was kind of preparing for this time with you, I was kind of. Thinking back on like all of these, you know, times that, um, you know, the the money cage, like yeah. everybody's supposed to grab the money and that, <laughs> you know, you don't really grab that much. <laughs> that was pretty smart. And then uh, what was it? The- well, they brought the chicken back. The chicken back was just back in the properties a couple months ago. <laughs> Explain so. that one. <laughs> so there's always been this casino promotion where there's a the chicken who... Uh, you play tic-tac-toe against and, and the customers really love it. And, and so they, they earn their ways to play. And if you can beat the chicken at tic-tac-toe, you, you know, you win, win a prize or money. So we, we brought it, I think it was actually at the, it was at the bingo palace where it was first, before we even built this property, we brought it. And I was actually driving in Bay Manette and that we had this t-shirt on it, a, a t-shirt from back, you know, then, and this guy was walking down the street and he had that t-shirt on. So that t-shirt lasted like 14 years. It wasn't in great shape, but the marketing people probably wouldn't approve of it for, uh, from branding perspective, but uh, <laughs> yeah, people love that chicken. And we had it the last couple of months and they were lined up for, you know, a couple hundred feet. So, you know, it's, it's fun to, you know, we used to have a guy run around in a chicken suit and act all crazy and, wasn't that Lucas? It was Lucas. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention his name on public, but I texted him. I said, this isn't the same without you in this chicken suit running around. So, yeah, uh, yeah I miss uh, it's fun to reminisce. And uh, I mean, it's hard to imagine what it was back then. I my hair was was black and and I had a lot more hair and a lot less wrinkles and uh it's hard to believe uh, it's gone by so fast. Oh, you're aging beautifully. <laughs> Very gracefully, Brent. Very gracefully. You know, and I, I think back, it, I think what's so remarkable, Brent, is whenever we look back at those early, you know, that 2008, 2009, there was a core team that was built. Mm-hmm. And from that, you know, it started at Wind Creek Atmore. Now, where are we? Yeah. Now, where are we? Well, I mean, now we're in the Caribbean. Now we're in we're in Pennsylvania. Now we're in you know going into Illinois. I mean, so even though we're many people see us as a very big organization and big company and successful tribe, it many people have been here a very long time. So you know, it's it's still a family, even when you look at the employee side and the team member side, it's still a family and those, and that's kind of the culture that we, that we bring. And, and I've noticed the change even in Bethlehem, you know, it, 
it was very corporate. You know, the Las Vegas Sands, where I used to work, owned them before, and they were very regimented, and you know, everything was, you know, had to be a certain way, and, and very corporate-like. And now you go, and it's more loose, and, you know, the the team is more engaged with the, the customers, and you just get a different sense of the environment from a corporate environment to a large family environment. And, and it's, and you see that in the Caribbean and it's just nice when we bring these new people on that we try to make sure they're the right people because you don't want, you know, the way our culture is built, I don't think we, it doesn't mesh well with like how large corporations run and, and overthink things and, and I think, you know, our business is more relationships. And I think that translates well into the business. So if, if the company is relationship-based and the team is relationship-based, you know, that's what makes a successful casino is having those relationships with our guests. So I think it just aligns naturally. And, you know, you see those teams I was just reading something this morning from a team member who sent something out on social media. And it's like, once again, Wind Creek Hospitality and the tribe have shocked us. And, and you know, we're, we're so grateful for them. And when you hear those things, it's just, it's phenomenal. And, you know, we, our culture is based upon a set of purpose and values. And, and it's, everybody's bought in. And it, I, I don't even know if they're bought in. It's just, that's, how they are naturally as people. And if, if you aren't naturally like that and fit into the, that kind of culture, then they probably won't enjoy working here. Do it right, be the best, and have, have fun. fun. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. You always got to make sure you have fun. Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> because, look, at the end of the day, and, and especially as, you know, as a C-suite employee, um, you spend a lot of time in the office or – you know, committed to work, even when you're on personal time. I was picking an angel. I was because uh, I saw a, a picture and I, was, and I saw you on your phone. I said, "Tell him to get off his phone." <laughs> <laughs> she was like, "Yeah, right. You tell him to get off his phone." <laughs> yeah, um, I, I never believe I have a vacation. So. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but you you give and contribute so much of yourself to what you do every day, and you have to love it in order to give so much of yourself to it. Yeah. And I do love it. I mean, I, I love the interaction with team members and, you know, as we've gotten bigger, it's harder and, you know, you, you can't be everywhere all the time. And, you know, Jay and Arthur give me grief about it a lot, but I like, I'm, I like to be involved in everything and it's hard when it's this big and, um, but I, I'm, I love just walking the floor and seeing team members and, you know, see them engage with guests and they ask them how their children are doing, you know, what's going on. And, and those relationships help help the business from my perspective because it gives me light into, hey, this is what we need to fix or this is what, you know, you know maybe we're a little short on or these are things we need to improve on. And, you know, the, the people who know are the people who are interacting with our guests every day. and. And just as soon as you think that you have it all figured out, the ceiling moves. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, you never get there. <laughs> no. You know, you because as soon as, you know, we got Wind Creek built, 
and you think, okay, we got this project completed. We can kick back and like enjoy it for a second. Well, then you go through a renovation project. That's (laughs) never happened here. I mean, we went from building one property in Atmore and then, you know, then it was renovations to the Northern properties and building the Northern properties. And then once, you know, immediately, it was funny when Montgomery was finished is actually when we started working on the Chicago project. So it wasn't like the Chicago project just came out of the blue. I mean, we, we were working on that project when the finishes of Montgomery were completed in 2015. And then you got the Caribbean properties coming on and then you got Bethlehem coming on and then we get Illinois and or COVID hits. And so it's, it's, it never stops. I mean, and it's good because in business, if you stop, you know, your competition will, will eat you up and, and, and put you to the side. So you have to keep innovating and growing and, and doing things. Cause you know, you see it with a lot of different businesses, you know, they were successful and, and then they, they falter. So if you don't continuously move and continuously try to expand your business, you, you may not have a business anymore. And I think that there's kind of two things that I want to point out that you that you've mentioned, and it's about the relationship building. But that also, I think, is a true testament to your personal experiences and how you came to be here in the first place, which is through networking. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that that is one key element that maybe has gotten a little more attention over the years, but I know that maybe five to 10 years ago, I don't think it got the attention that it really deserved in that you could have all of the education in the world. You could have all the experience in the world. You'd be the most qualified person for the job, but if you aren't well networked and if you're not able to really present yourself in such a way that people say like, that's who I want to come here, then it's all for, for not, you know? Yeah. I've, I've learned that, you know, you hear people say it's, it's not, it's, it's who, you know, but I don't believe that's true. I believe it's, it's what you know and who, you know, Mm -hmm. because if you don't know, um, that person's not going to want you. True. I mean, so you can know all the people in the world, but if, if you don't have the skills and the work ethic and, and the ability then why would they want you, you know, as part of their team? So networking is very important to to present yourself so that people do know you, but you have to perform in order for that to help you. And I'll also say that, you know, speaking of work ethic, my husband loves boxing mm-hmm. and he has really turned me on to Floyd Mayweather. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't know, but you had a little bout with boxing <laughs> as well. And I think, you know, when you see how hard boxers train, mm-hmm. like you also recognize if they're really serious about that, yeah. they have an exemplary work yeah. ethic. Yeah. And wrestling. I mean, it's the same mentality too. I used to, to wrestle too. Um, you know, I used to, run i'm so i in athletics i think you know your work ethic is you know you see all these star athletes but what you don't see is all the time they put into into their it's really their jobs in many cases and you have to work hard i mean you have to have discipline you have to have you know competitive nature you you know 
and a lot of it's upstairs, I mean, in your head if you want it and not letting someone beat you. And, you know, I, I think athletics translates very similar to business and, and at least my character that I love to work hard. And, and I know if I put the work in, I'll get the result that I want. And your son's also a wrestler. Yes, my son does wrestle, yes. So let's talk about that just for a second. You're not, it's not like you're a single bachelor just living it up and you have all this time to just work, work, work. Like you're married and you have three or four kids, four children. So Brent, how do you balance like all, you know, you're the, you're the chief operating officer of Wind Creek Hospitality. And what that really means is you've got all of these properties that you ultimately are responsible for so how do you balance it all well i would probably honestly you know probably up until a few years ago i probably didn't do a good job of balancing so um you know i can't say that i was the best at if you people talk about work-life balance you know mine was definitely tilted more on the work side and you know as i've gotten older you know, I've had to balance that out and understand that, you know, you've you've mentored and you've worked with people and hope you've, you've got to develop them to where you can make that more life balance work. So you trust them. You know they're going to make the decisions that they know you would want. So that's something I've learned is you've got to trust and Part of the mentoring is mentoring your staff and mentoring your team so they're really strong. And then when they're really strong, that allows you to you know, have that balance. And I think it's done a lot for me to balance that out some more. And you know, I also like to see the growth of, of, of my team do better. So you know, having four kids and you know, we just – we adopted a baby, uh, well, a girl from Columbia about three years ago, just to put more uh, more in onto our plate. But <laughs> um, you know, kids keep you young, and and they teach you, you know, how to be a better person. I think so. It, it's very difficult to balance, and I'm not the best. I would say that is one of my weaknesses, and and I'm sure people who know me would say. Yeah, that's you're not strong at. You may be strong at these things, but you're definitely not strong at work-life balance. But I think I've gotten better. But that's a self-reflection. So I'm probably, I would have to say you'd have to ask other people if I'm good (laughs) at it. (laughs) I could think I'm doing better, and they may say, no, you're still the same. But uh, I do understand that I do need to get better at that, and it is one of my weaknesses is work-life balance. So... Reflecting a little bit back on one of those tenets of the Wind Creek Hospitality philosophy, mm-hmm. do it right, be the best, and have fun. How do you have fun um, at at the job? I, I hear there may be some practical jokes involved. Oh, we do have. You know, I'm I'm probably not the uh, the leader of the fun, have fun department, but <laughs> I like to have fun. Um, you know, our our, our team. You know, they do like to play practical jokes on each other. And, you know, they're they're pretty good at Photoshop and, uh, 
mocking up things that aren't necessarily true to, <laughs> to get a rise out of each other. So, um, and God forbid uh, somebody falls in a parking lot or something, there's surveillance everywhere to pick it up. So um, our, our team is, you know, like a family, you, you like to, to get a rise out of each other oh, yeah. and you know exactly what to do to get a rise out of each other. And Because I, you, Jay, Catherine, um, I would say that, who else am I missing? You, Arthur, Jay, Catherine, Arthur. Neil's, Joe's been there. John Enriquez, we've, all, almost everybody you mentioned has been there 10 plus years. Mm-hmm. So y'all have created your own little family over yes, there. It is. I mean, see them a lot. You spend a lot of time with each other. Um, you get to know each other pretty well. So what do you think has been a key to the success of you all gelling together as a management team? I think we're all pretty loose and I think everybody, you know, we all understand our roles and, and we complement each other. You know, we're to say we're all the same as we're not. We're actually all quite different and unique in a lot of ways. And, and our differences make us better. And, you know, recognizing what each one does and their contribution. And, you know, we don't, nobody takes things personally or nobody, you know, is trying to outdo the other one. I mean, People I work with are very humble. They're very caring people. So, you know, I think you have to have that. I mean, if you get people who are egomaniacs and you know, backstabbing and creates a very bad work environment, and you know, fortunate that there's no one on our like our team like that. I'm, I mean, it's 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 pretty unique. Um, you know, I've been getting all these messages about. Oh, congratulations on your 15 years. And I'm, I'm always like, I'm pretty proud of that just because it's, it means the people I've been with have been there just as long. And, and, you know, it's, I think you, if you know each other, you can be a much better team. I, I mean, there's, there's sports teams that may not have the best players, but they always win um, because they work well together. They complement each other. So, um, the team aspect, you know, is is what I believe makes us successful, and uh, you know, nobody's out for themselves. I think everybody is for the betterment of of the company. I think it's it's fantastic. But you guys don't always see eye to eye, and nor should you, no. right? Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you find compromise? Because at that level, everyone has been in this business for quite some time. Sure. And they bring to the table a certain um, level of confidence mm-hmm. in their abilities and in their experience and their knowledge and what they know. And so, how do you how do you all work together and navigate through the differences? Well, I think there, I think there's a, a difference between differences and and then the decision. So, I think as a good team, you should you know say, okay, this is what I, I don't think is good about this or that. And you do it in a way that's not mean or, you know, you know, take it personal. But I think at every level, regardless if if you're frontline all the way up, you know, you have to respect the chain of command. I think you should always, you know, put your put your opinion there. And if, you know, 
through the process of the chain of command, you always, everybody always has a boss. Everybody has a boss. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, you have a boss. It's almost always you have a boss. So in that way, I mean, you should state your opinions. It may be different than the way it's going. And then somebody's got to be the decision maker. And once that decision's made, then you all have to be on the same page and move forward. So I, I think that's, you, know, you can never take it personal if, if there's a different direction than you think. If you do, you just drive yourself crazy. So um, I think that's one thing that makes us good is we can bounce things off each other. Nobody takes it personal. But at the end of the day, one person is making the decision and in numerous levels throughout the organization, and, and you just got to move forward and, and support whatever the decision was made because it's usually not about the right or wrong decision. It's about two good, two good ways of looking at it it's just a different approach. So, I mean, it's all to accomplish the same thing. And Wind Creek has to make a lot of decisions at the end of the day. And that leads me to what decisions are coming down the pike that influences the future of Wind Creek Hospitality? What does the future look like for the business? Well, I, I think this is a constant evolving question is, you know, growth aspect. I, I think still have to grow. Like I said, you can't stay stagnant. You continuously have to grow. I think for the tribe to be successful, it, it's still got to keep moving and, and trying to get into new businesses or new markets and and make smart businesses to sustain the tribe. Because the tribe isn't, you know, you live to whatever age and, and you pass, I mean, the tribe continues um, and should continue forever. And so, you know, you got to make decisions to keep moving. And if you, if you stop, then, you know, it, you know, you're going to get to that point where I think that's some of the tribes of the past did very little expansion um, in it. You know, those tribes are hurting today. So, you know, there's always going to be those opportunities and, you know, with with prices really high right now, and maybe there's going to be more opportunities um, in the market. So I, I think the question of growth is always going to, to be the question and and making those investments to sure the, the long-term um, success of the tribe. So I think that will never change. I mean, in 10 years from now, I think that same question will be there. I, I hope it's still there um, because if, we're not talking about growth in in different markets or different opportunities. Then, then you become stagnant, and the world passes you by. It's like Kodak. I mean, you you don't really see much of Kodak. You don't see much of brother typewriters. You don't see them. I mean, they had the opportunity to to go into the same business, but just different. Um, so you got to keep growing and doing things a little bit different and and recognize things change. Now, you're naturally a creative person. You you started at Wind Creek as the VP of marketing. And, you know, that, that tells me, and it should tell everyone else, that you have an eye for that creativeness. And you've brought a lot of different promotions through the years. And, um, and I think that you also, in hand with that creativeness, comes innovation as well. 
And I think that's probably the one thing that when you look at business and what you're speaking to is you can't keep your same business model. You can't stick with the same product. So how do you find innovation? Where does your inspiration and creativity come from? How do you find that? So like creativity, I think in the definition, many people will think, oh, like you're an artist or this. And mine is just decision-making processes of how things how things go and what would be good for the business. So, you know, I'm always looking for ways to, you know, during COVID, we, we've had difficulties hiring staff. I mean, I think that's pretty known everywhere. It's been difficult to hire staff. And how do you do things that can improve processes that don't require as many people? Um, so you got to think through those things and, it's, you know, we're not in the business of, you know, we're in the business of trying to make sure it's a sustainable business that our customers can engage with us constantly. So con- every day is about creative business decisions on how can you do it differently. Um, you know, we, we do some things that are significantly different than, than other people. I mean, I, I don't know how many times people, like, talk about, um, the jackpot song and oh it just plays over and over <laughs> but you forget the the marketing side of that is when that song isn't playing people get very upset because they don't think we're paying out jackpots it's electric yeah <laughs> I, I, it was funny i uh, i was at a uh, a school asked me to come and talk to a group of 7th graders a few years ago and I was in there and they, it was like, they wanted to know what your job was and asking what your job was. So I was talking and, and it got to questions and this little boy said, Hey, why do you guys play that um, electric slide song all the time? And I'm like, well, first, how do you know this? And he's like, well, every Sunday, um, my grandparents take me to go eat there and I hear the song constantly playing. So in my head, I was like, that's a good thing. I mean, he's, seven, he's in seventh grade. He knows the song. So to me, that's kind of like branding. It's like if you see a logo, you know who it is. If you see the Starbucks logo, you know it's Starbucks. So if you hear that song, you think it's Wind Creek. So, um, you know, there's things like that that, you know, sound crazy, but, you know, they're just creative ways of doing it. And that's a brand standard. So we put it in Bethlehem and have a team member meeting. And they're like, why do we have to play the song all the time? <laughs> and I'm like, that's our brand. I mean, that's how customers, we want to create a winning environment. And that song signifies somebody has won. And in a casino, you need, you want people to think they have a chance to win. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I think creativity is is more along the lines of making different decisions differently than you were doing before. Not, it doesn't mean necessarily painting something on a wall. So I think I always try to be creative in, in, in business, but being creative also means you need to ask a large group of people what they think so you get different perspectives. I mean, some of the processes that we've put in place that, that have improved our businesses have come from me just being on the floor next to somebody doing their job and just saying, why do we do that? And then you ask the person who's doing it and they're like, I don't know why we do this. And then it says, 
all right, there's something wrong with this. Mm-hmm. And if you don't understand and they don't understand, then that means you need to change something. Mm-hmm. And so creativity can be somebody else's doing it and they're creative. They just haven't thought or brought up why, why are we do, still doing this activity, whatever that may be. And you just have to be creative to find out which ones are the right ones to do. What challenges have you all experienced with the rapid growth that's occurred? Probably uh, the the most difficult thing is is probably bench strength, you know, and making sure the that people are learning and and able to help take us to the next level. Um, that's probably been one of the biggest challenges is when you have rapid growth. You, you're taking your best resources and you're moving them around. Um, you know, right now we have one of our um, our assistant general managers. She's in Bethlehem and for the summer learning, and that part of that is you know getting, creating some bench strength and and it's it's tough. I mean, because we're growing all over the place and people have to move, and who wants to move? I mean, a lot of people don't want to move, so. The bench strength has, has been difficult with uh, with our growth. And that means a lot more time on mentoring and and, and getting our, our staff who may not have the experience to that level. Um, Just bringing them up to speed. Yeah, and, and because you can be the best person. Let's say you're the best housekeeper. Uh, you could be the best housekeeper in the country. You clean, your, but when you become a supervisor, that's a whole different set it means just because you're great at that doesn't mean you're going to be great at the next thing. So sometimes the best supervisor or manager isn't always the best person doing that function because they're two different jobs. So finding those people, you know, and recognizing this is where we need to do to create that bench strength is very important. Cultivating talent. Yes, definitely. Cultivating talent. So um, one thing that I've been really proud to see Wind Creek do is – really take that mentorship seriously, but across the board. Mm -hmm. Because I think one thing that a lot of folks take for granted is you all have cultivated that talent internally. And that doesn't just mean existing employees, but it means um, for us, it's tribal members. And so, you know, whenever you look at our properties, most of our properties have tribal members who are in upper management VP positions, as well as um, property managers, assistant property managers, so on and so forth. And for me, as a tribal member, that's something that, um, you know, I can't thank you all enough for doing that and really taking that um, that personally and, and making that happen, bringing that to fruition. For you, what's been some really proud or the proudest moment during your career thus far at Wind Creek? Well, that's a good question. Um, I, I can't say there's one because um, there's many. And, and many of mine are, you know, seeing success of others is, 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 pretty, is pretty exciting in watching. And in watching people grow and you know just a couple weeks ago you know the something had happened and this individual who I've worked with for 
all 15 years, you know, acted in a certain way that was completely different than that individual would have done 15 years ago. So seeing that growth, not, and it wasn't a business, it was just the, the way they presented themselves, the way they, they communicated to someone, the way they handled the situation was in, was like personal growth. So, you know, there's success stories like that all over the place and watching the, you know, tribal members who work with us, employees who work with us, they grow and you work with them and you've seen that change and how they become professionals or executives. You know, it's, it's kind of, you know, I don't like to say this in a work environment, but they're kind of like your kids, you know, you see them grow and they become successful and you're, you know, really proud of them. So, you know, I, I have them almost at every property, like people that I'm like, this person has grown so much and not just professionally, but as a person. And, and, you know, that probably means the most to me. And, you know, I, one thing that this is just kind of an odd thing, but one of our, one of the things that show success is when the seniors go on trips, these, these great trips they are always going on. Would we be able to do that if we weren't successful? So, you know, you talk about, you know, it starts here and rolls through, but it actually ends like with them going on these trips. I mean, would they have gone on those trips 15, 20 years ago? Probably not. I want to get invited to these trips. But <laughs> <laughs> I wish they would invite me. Uh, but uh, but when I when I see that they get really excited about these trips and they're really happy and they talk about these trips, it it's just it's it's fun to see success and people enjoying it and and it's it's like family success. So, you know, and to me it's not just the owner's family, but it's the the team members, you know, everyone is enjoying the success and and to me that that's great because i i can't say i was here from the beginning obviously but i was here when there was still you know a lot going on right outside of those bingo halls and uh you know it's there used to not be all those restaurants at the corner and and to see that growth you know it's it's kind of funny and one thing i'll always remember like When they brought me here for the first time, I was staying at Foster's Inn and breakfast, and and Keith Martin came over and and met me for breakfast, and he said, "So, what do you think about L.A.?" I was like, "Well, I, I, I I really don't like L.A. I mean, I'm not an L.A. type of guy." And he's like, "So you don't like Lower Alabama?" (laughs) (laughs) So when I think of Lower Alabama or L.A., I mean, it's when it's it's like family and it's my kids basically have been raised here so um for me that's a success too because they haven't traveled all over the country and uprooted and you know they have a good group of friends and which has allowed me to have a good group of friends and and uh i guess a stable life which which you know to me is successful cuz it it's tough moving around and you know, I, I could still be living in Vegas and, and that's probably not a, a great place for kids to be either. So uh, 
I think success overall, I mean, it comes in a lot of different facets. So I may not have answered your question directly, um, but there's so much of it. And it's not just financial success. I think it's personal success of, of individuals and in, in the team. So I, I, to say success is a single word is, is un, probably not giving its due to the success. Even walking into this building, I mean, is phenomenal. I'm actually walking around looking at these offices. I'm pretty jealous of these offices. They're really nice. <laughs> I'll show you mine. <laughs> Rub it in a little more. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brent, you know, I've always admired your ability to, um, even though you are, you've been a VP, you've got this um, great record of experience, and, and now you're the COO, um, you still have maintained this, ability to be down to earth and you find ways to stay grounded, whether it's going and playing bingo with the seniors or making a little bit of time to, you know, have lunch with me. And when granny was around, you know, (laughs) bringing her cart and her over to the casino to have lunch with you. Um, And I've, I've really, that's something that I've also taken away from you too, is um, just how to, enjoy the professional success, but also find ways to stay grounded and never to forget the work that you do and how it actually does flow through and create all of these benefits and a better life for so many people. And that's not just tribal members, that's the employees, that's the vendors that we do business with, because um, the tribe's footprint, uh, thanks to Wind Creek and all of our other businesses as well, it's grown tremendously. And with that comes great responsibility. And I just can't thank you enough for coming and spending this time with us today. I know how busy you are. And so I feel extremely privileged. (laughs) I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm really grateful that, that we were able to carve out this nugget of time that we could, that we could share this with our audience because I think they'll find all of this really interesting and intriguing. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me and, Thank you for not doing uh, investigative journalism, um, <laughs> not knowing what I was getting myself into. We've known each other too long for that. I already know everything. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of A Place Called Porch. I hope to have you right back here next week as I sit down with Cody Williamson, who's the president and CEO at Creek Indian Enterprise Development Authority. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. 